The friends gathered to mourn, trying to make sense of the tragic death. There wasn't really meaning to make, but still they needed to be together. As the days passed, the crowds grew. They began to organize themselves, trying to decide how they would carry forward the goodness of this man's life with their own living. Many of these people were were friends, students, neighbors. They had walked with this man, worked with him side by side in his ministry, joined with him in taking the good news into the streets, feeding the hungry, teaching the desperate that God loved them completely, teaching them the way of peace and reconciliation. It was astonishing that the authorities killed him, even though his friends knew it happened all too often. The powers that be, they felt threatened by him, seemingly unnerved and offended by his very existence. The powerful didn't trust him. They felt uneasy when he was close, worried how the crowds might follow his lead. They worried, I think, how much of their own power and privilege they might have to give up if they let him continue, if they permitted him to thrive. And so they executed him like a common criminal, an innocent man killed at the hands of the state. He called out to his mother there as they stole his breath. Others stood by, watching. Some, some watched with love, these his witnesses, his friends. Others stood jeering, making it possible for this heinous status quo to continue. All of them, together, watched as he breathed his last. And the story was then passed, one to another, to the ends of the earth. And here with us now is another story, one of throngs of young people with dark skin. They've gathered together, still in the wake of the execution of their brother, their friend. They have come together to make a tremendous, unstoppable noise. Together, as one body, they, they are demanding, indeed insisting, that life is sacred, that life must prevail. They are hollering this truth to anyone who will listen, to anyone who will hear. And indeed, this truth is coming through in every possible language. If anyone does not listen, 
It is of their own choosing. The wind comes crashing through. The fire comes also burning hot. Many who stand on the outside, they dismiss it as a scene of chaos, of destruction. Some don't know what it means. Others sneer, accusing those gathered of being drunk. Still, those gathered speak. Their leader rises, shouting to be heard. He speaks age-old words, those of a prophet. He speaks words which incredibly remain so relevant, so necessary, because still they have not been made manifest. In those days to come, he proclaims, God will give breath to all flesh, breath to every living being, breath. Friends, at this point, I can't even say if I'm retelling the story of the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth, and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, or if I'm describing the last six days here in these United States of America. Six days ago, George Floyd was lynched on the street in Minneapolis. Other officials stood by condoning the ruthless violence, stealing this man's breath, even with bystanders begging for mercy, filming the whole encounter because they knew how it was likely to end. The days since have evolved. Mourning and protests have erupted all across our country, including right here across the Bay Area. As people tell the story, demand justice and more than anything, cry out the most, cry out demanding the most basic right for black people in this nation to breathe. I'm not saying that the lives of George Floyd and Jesus the Christ are one and the same, but the parallels are astonishing. If, if we will but open ourselves to behold them, And white folks, if if we will let these stories rock us out of complacency. I'm saying that George Floyd was a beloved child of God. I'm saying that when we do this to one of the least of these, we do this again to Jesus. Jesus was crucified once again there on the street in Minneapolis. It is into this grief and pain, into this most worthy lament, that the Spirit comes. There in that locked room, the the disciples hidden away for fear of the authorities, 
the risen Christ arrives among them. He breathes on them, giving them the Spirit of God. Receive this breath, he says. Breath. That is the word that we hear translated today as Holy Spirit. It is the pneuma in Greek, the ruach in Hebrew, the very breath of God. It is this ruach that we see in the story of Genesis, first in the wind that swept over the deep, and then when people are are formed up out of the dust of the earth, and God breathes life into them. This, friends, this is the Spirit of God that Jesus gives to his disciples as they quake with fear and grief. The ruach comes, entering into this time when everything had seemed to be lost, and life begins to return. It seems possible again. And it is this same spirit, the same name, this same breath of God that arrives on that first day of Pentecost, setting the crowd on fire, enlivening them with this power to speak God's truth to all who will hear, to carry this good news out to the whole world. And this breath of God, I believe, is the same breath that I hear my black siblings asking for right now in this nation. It is such a simple request to be allowed to receive this gift from God, the gift of breath, of life. Let us breathe. I hear them cry. I cannot conceive of a more basic or more righteous demand. In baptism, we make the bold promise that we will strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. We make the promise that we will persevere in resisting evil and whenever we fall into sin, we will repent and return to the Lord. Again and again, we vow ourselves to bringing God's realm a little bit closer, promising, I will, with God's help. Now is the time. My white friends, now is the time to examine the privilege our skin affords us and take stock of how we move in this world and at whose expense. Now is the time to begin reading and listening and amplifying black voices. Now is the time to take a long, hard look at our fear, at our defensiveness, at the assumptions we make about who belongs in our neighborhoods. Can we honestly, unflinchingly take stock of our deep-seated responses? Can we repent 
together. We are not called into this work on our own. We have been given the strength of this spirit, the very breath of God, flowing into us as life and ready to return to the world as truth spoken and justice wrought. You must not fail to use this gift, watching silently from the sidelines, wringing our hands with privilege and complacency. And my white friends, I am speaking especially to us right now, for we carry a particular responsibility in dismantling the white supremacy that has plagued our nation and benefited each of us for so many centuries. We have work to do. The Spirit calls for us, calls for this work, and makes it possible. Here is the breath of God, Jesus says. He breathes it into all of us. Breath isn't ours to give, and yet we all bear responsibility in preserving it. Together, we can join in proclaiming that black breath matters. As long as we have life within us, may we give voice to these truths. Let us use this gift to speak out, to demand justice, to insist on breath.